0: and mp3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. It's um, exciting to me to see what this series on Radical Grace is doing um, through so many of you. Thank you for your emails and assuring me that this is turning your life and maybe your brain upside down, which is actually the right way up. Okay, I want to continue this uh, subject, and it's in Titus in chapter 2. Titus in chapter 2, and it's verse 11, but really it, it takes in all the previous verses of the chapter But now it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men or all people, men and women, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age." Okay, that's where I want to center, though, as I say, it takes in the whole chapter in actual fact. These verses we didn't read, they are instructions to every part of society, the older persons, the younger persons, right into those that were part of the Roman Empire, the slaves. And every church, when they met together, they would include all of those people, including the slaves. And so he gets to verse 10, and he's giving this description of how believers live, which is um, describing actually living love in the middle of this present evil world, and especially because he ends with the slaves. And he's telling them the way that love lives as a slave, which to the human mind is pretty far out. And then he says, our text, for or because, that is, I haven't just given you a list of moral... Um, what, what can I say? He, he wasn't giving them just rules of morality, He wasn't saying this is the way you ought to live and here's the rules. Rather, he is saying this way of life that I have described, it is possible. Now it has come into being in your lives for or because. That's where we're at. Because the grace of God has appeared. Now this word grace um, we have attempted in the last two weeks to uh, define this word and I'll keep on doing that. And so for five minutes, let me do some repetition, but draw it in so it will begin to sink into our consciousness what this is. The the grace, the grace that has appeared, This this word grace, you could say almost it's a shorthand word. Because to try and define it is so much more than one word. And so when we say grace, begin to build up behind that word. This is what it means. And we've seen that it means the gift, but it is, shall I say, it's the empowering gift. Whenever we say grace as meaning gift, it means gift that comes with power, It is a gift that contains within itself the power to achieve what it's giving. That is, the gift is not a tease. The gift isn't that God gives and says, hey, see if you can do that. No, it is the gift of God, and the gift is the power to do that. Um, Maybe it's, it's not the most high and holy illustration, but sometimes you unwrap a gift on your birthday or Christmas, and and right there on the box, you know, batteries not included. And so there it is, there's the gift, but it doesn't work. And, And you can say you've got it, but you can't use it because batteries not included. That's something else. And there are so many believers who think of God's gifts in similar fashion that he's given, but you can't use them. Not until you've had some mighty second experience, deeper life, going where average chaps don't go, and then... No, 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 no. Forget that. You who were born again this morning understand the gift of God. The grace that comes is empowering. Within the gift is the power to do it. It it is God's favor. Favor. I like that word, uh, favor. When you favor someone, it means you like them. Sometimes when we say God's love, which of course is uh, glorious in its meaning, but so many persons look at it as a vague niceness, uh, uh, and, and I've said to so many, don't you realize God doesn't only love you, he likes you. He favours you. I think a definition of favour is intentional, bias toward. If you favour someone, you treat them special because you like them. Well, that's the meaning of grace. And this grace in this text we're looking at, at the centre of it, 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 it reveals. The, the, this grace that comes is a blaze of light into our darkness. It's, it's the gift that originates with the Holy Trinity. The gift that originates in the giver. Well, that that's really basic, isn't it? Um, that's where all gifts originate, in the giver. Um, and, and the giver gives spontaneously and freely. And that's what I mean. There's nothing in us that arouses God to give. It isn't that he gives because we have done such a jolly good job of living in the last while. No, he gives because he is this incredible God who is love, who is giver, and he himself, of course, is the gift. So this gift, this giving, this empowering gift, that he gives to us all through life, sometimes all through the day, there's new every hour, givings and favorings of God, all have their origin and they spring freely from the heart of God with no reference to what we deserve. In fact, the grace of God comes whether we believe or not. That's so shocking, isn't it? Uh, but you see, to think that your believing or not believing can change God, as, as if 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 you don't believe His grace, then um, where well, you've changed God, He's no longer in the giving mood. How ridiculous! How arrogant! No, it's a joy to see how His grace comes to persons who were not even looking for that. You see, this sums up, what is it, Romans eight thirty-two, somewhere around there, where it says, uh, if God be for us, I like that. He's for us. He's pro us. He's not only on our side. He is working in every moment for us. If God be for us, and that's grace. God ever for us, ever coming to us in unexpected, surprising lovelets, little expressions of love, life-changing invasions of love into our life. do, Do you realize that he gives in order to see the joy on your face? And then he would say, rejoice with me because all his love gifts are to draw us into a closer relationship. Grace opens that relationship with God, empowering us to be, empowering us to become all that the Father purposed when you were created and when you were recreated in the resurrection of Jesus. So so the grace of God is intensely personal. It's, it's not just a, 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 a vague influence out there. The grace of God has the face of Jesus. The grace of God is in the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of God leaps from the heart of the Father. The immediate, yes, I mean immediate in this now moment, the presence of the Holy Spirit applying to us and implementing in us All that the Father purposed for us. Grace. The grace of God. He said, the grace of God has appeared. Boy, that that, that brings up a a, a tremendous picture. First of all, this word appear. Um, let, Let me say this because it affects how we understand it. The Greek word for appear is epiphania from which we get our English word epiphany and some of you would immediately relate to that. People say they had an epiphany. It it, it meant that there was a light that shone into their mind and their heart, even into all, all the bits and pieces of life that had been like a scattered jigsaw and now the light shines and we see everything as it fits together it's it's that wow moment, an epiphany. The it means blazing light. I mean, this isn't a flickering candle. This is a light that is unearthly. This is a light that is final, absolute truth, shining into our darkness. It means a radiance, all of that, and it, and it appears. There's a sense in which. It it, it describes light coming, light stepping forward into our darkness and in that moment completely disperses the darkness. Darkness is gone because darkness has no substance of itself. Darkness is the absence of light. And, and, And so when light comes when it invades our darkness, when light presses into the confusion and into the fog, disperses the fog, the confusion's gone and, and we stand there with our mouth open because there has come light. Um, have you ever said, well, I never saw that before? And the fact is probably that over the last, I don't know how long, someone's been saying that. That that was a thing I really felt for many pastors when I was traveling in churches and people after I had spoken said I never saw that before and the pastor stood there with that look on his face. I've been preaching about that. Yes, and they would not have understood what I said unless he had been preaching that because there's the turning over of the ground and then light and we get it. We see it. It's not a logical process. And you can't sweat this. You can't learn it in um theological school. It isn't that you go step by laborious step and you no, it's a light. Maybe our word for it coming would be intuition. It means that coming and, and we see everything, but we're not sure how we got there. And sometimes we have to engage the brain for six weeks afterward as we go back and see how this does indeed fit together. It's the appearance. <clears throat> Do you remember the, the blessing that was given in the book of Numbers chapter 6? The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you, give you Peace. It describes that whole blessing, actually. It describes the smile of God, and it describes it in terms of light and radiance, as if the face of God is a brilliant sun shining, and that's his smile upon us. Well, in Jesus, the smile of God became flesh and lived among us. That's it. He appeared. Well, he appeared... In the parables of Luke 15, um, if you could get into the mind of the sheep that was lost in a perilous wilderness, in ravines and on the edge of death, exposed and so on, and suddenly over the hill there comes the face of the shepherd. That... That that face and, and with the face there comes that familiar call calling the name of the sheep, for every sheep in those days had a name. And, and then when the hands of the shepherd are around the shaking body of the sheep, that's that's what I'm talking about. They appeared. Into the hopelessness of that sheep situation, they appeared. The face, the call, the hands of of the shepherd. And and suddenly everything made sense. And suddenly everything was all right. There had appeared into the darkness and hopelessness of the sheep. There had appeared this radiant light. Or take that second parable of the coin that was lost. It's hard to give personality to a coin. But if you can... Here is the coin, and according to the parable, it was down there in the darkness and in in the dirt. It's covered, and, uh, and suddenly into that darkness there comes the light, for it says she lit Lamps to look for this, and 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 the light shone down into that darkness. And in the light, there came a hand. Can you see it? Can you see it? It, In coming out of the darkness, now in the light, you see a hand that grasps you and holds you and picks you up out of the dirt and the darkness. That's that's the appearing. It's come, and suddenly, it's all right. Everything's all right. I'm not sure now how it will work out. Why it works out. But it's okay. Light, grace, you see, has come. And of course, the, the last of those parables of the prodigal son, when uh, he, the, the son comes home a-trembling and, and he is surprised, that's putting it mildly, when the father leaps upon him, embraces him, smothers him with kisses, grace appeared. The suddenness of light change the whole situation. And, and this is a major topic of the New Testament, major. Um just ones that you immediately know. Ephesians 1 and 17, Paul's prayer, is the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, so that you may know the hope to which you have been called, that you might know the exceeding greatness of his power which is toward you who believe. He's saying you're yeah, until the the opening of the eyes and the seeing of truth that has come to us in Jesus You've got to have your eyes opened that that the appearing in fact the I believe the amplified version so correctly translates that as your eyes the eyes of your heart being flooded with light or of course Uh, The other one in Corinthians where it says, eye has not seen, ears have not heard. It's never been into the heart of man. You've never grasped it. But he said, we now, the Holy Spirit has made this known to us. He's opened our eyes, you see. Grace has come. I, I am speaking, I believe, to the most part for persons who have experienced this. You might not have defined it this way. It might not have been something that would make you fall off your chair. But you know what I'm talking about. There came the day of seeing. There came the day when the light of grace came. And in that light, the light that grace brought, revealed the truth. And what's the truth? It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. The idea that is there in the original language is Lights turned on. Grace has come. And in that light we see salvation. That is, and we see that salvation not only has come, but has come for all human beings, all men and women and children and slaves and everybody else. No exception, no exemptions. We see that God has acted to save us. Before we knew about it, before we believed it or didn't believe it, God has acted to save us. Salvation has come to bring us a new beginning, a new start to a brand new life. And not only just a new life, a repeat of new possibles, but Bringing us a new kind of life, bringing us a newness that has never been before. salvation has come, and of course that word we've talked before salvation means something only God can do uh, the first time it's mentioned in scripture in Exodus, I believe it's fourteen where where you know they stand before the Red Sea. And no way through, behind them is not only a trackless wilderness, but also there's the crack troops of Pharaoh descending upon them to destroy them. And they are caught like rats in a trap. And the Lord says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, what he will do for you. That's the first time it's mentioned and it defines it. (laughs) In a situation like that, if if God doesn't act, we're done. There's nothing that a human being can do. You see, only God can save us from the Egyptians and open the sea before us. That's salvation. It means a God action that we can have no part of. Only God can do this. And so the word means a God deliverance. Interestingly, the word salvation means a deliverance in terms of a total healing of our persons. The the word uh, actually has within it the meaning of health, total health. I I say total. I have to. Uh, Maybe I should say holistic. The, The idea that you are... A divided being is a horrible thought. You've heard me say this before. Your, your your body is not a piece of meat that hangs in some closet to be poked at by a doctor that doesn't recognize you're a human being. Um, nor does your brain hang in another closet for psychologists and psychiatrists to talk about as if, if there's no other part of you. Um, no, in the Bible, there's no such thing as division. Um, you, you are one person, so that what is happening in your innermost spirit, your your deep soul, um, affects your mind, and it affects your emotions, and that is, well, I, I hardly know the word to say part of it, that is so wrapped up in your body so that every movement of your thoughts, every movement of your emotions is immediately registered in your body to actually change the shape of your body. Yeah. So when I say salvation, we don't get all... You know, you don't look at your your beautiful body and say, Earth suit, good grief, that's not an Earth suit, man. You're talking as if you're an astronaut with a suit that you'll not need on Earth. You can't just get rid of your body. Your body is wrapped up in you, and you're wrapped up in your body. So that to look at your body, anyone who knows what they're doing can read your soul. It's written all over the way you walk, the way you stand, the look on your face, the shape of your face. Oh no, health, it means the totality of my being. It means wholeness. Sin brought in all destruction to body, destruction to mind, destruction to emotions, as well as our deep inner essence self. Salvation. Salvation is God walking into the true me, And saving me, healing, making me whole, restoring me. Actually, more than restore, because Jesus came to do more than Adam ever got to or dreamed of. Salvation, he said, to all men, to everyone. I say it again, to all. In in the immediate context, he's saying, you older fellows and you older women... Uh, don't think you've been consigned to a nursing home and that's the end of it this salvation has come to all persons including those who are at the end of life and those who are in middle and young age no, it's to you too as you're just beginning your families and working out how the family works salvation has come yes, over the hilltop Down into our darkness comes the hand from another world. God has become flesh and has brought salvation into the human race. He says, even to you slaves who in the eyes of the Roman Empire are no longer persons, you are possessions and things to be listed along with lawnmowers and so on. No, he says, you've been exalted to the highest Along with everyone else, salvation has come, you see. For the grace of God has appeared. The light has shone, and in that light we see it. Salvation has come to us all, none exempt. Okay, stop. See, the danger is, you're just listening to me preach. Did you hear what I just said? The grace of God that brings, reveals that salvation has come to all men. Did you hear that? That sitting where you are right now listening to me, let me tell you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, on His authority, the grace, this incredible gift of the very presence of the empowering God to implement this salvation has come to you, you. There is no one on the planet that is receiving this grace more than you. The grace of God, right at this minute as you listen to me, the grace of God is in your mind, the grace of God is in your innermost self. The grace of God is all around you, behind you, ahead of you, Understand it, it says it. I mean, if this isn't true, what is true? Do you you understand me? We've picked out certain verses of the Bible and we say they're true. Well, what about this? The grace of God has appeared to you. Has. Grace of God has been given to every person. And that grace shows you this salvation is yours. And I don't just mean saved from sin to go to heaven when you die. Enough of that. The grace of God that reveals a salvation that right at this micro moment is in the process of transforming your life and bringing you to everything God the Father purposed. Yeah, it's no wonder. When we say grace, we mean the wow. We mean the epiphany, the turning of the the enlightenment to reality. This is real. I don't care what everything else appears to be. This is real. It says, "This this grace that has come, instructing us." Interesting word. So you see, right there, you you have to say that grace. Everything I've just said concerning grace, it's it's not just a an influence of niceness. It's it's not just a vague invisible strength of some sort. No. Grace. Grace has got to be personal. Because he said here, Grace instructs us. You know. An influence can't instruct you. I mean we're talking here about teachers, classroom, student, instruction. So this means Grace Oh Grace has At the heart of grace is the person. As I said, grace is the very heart of the Father. Grace has been defined in Jesus and grace is now, at this moment as I speak, the person of the Holy Spirit bringing each one of us to know this for ourselves. Grace is the person Or Jesus called the Holy Spirit the teacher, the counselor. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says we're taught of God to love. And that word taught suggests coach. I like that. The Holy Spirit is, is our coach, our life coach, our resident life coach. And Jesus also called him the guide. He would guide us into all truth where we've never been before. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the limitlessness of salvation in our everyday lives, in every event, in every challenge, every opportunity, every relationship. The Holy Spirit is teaching us, instructing us. And it's all gift. It's probably we're going to go there before we finish this, but I'll throw it in here. In Ephesians 3, Paul speaks of his knowing of this joining uh, of our very selves into Christ and Christ into us. And and he speaks of that as being given to him, a grace given to him of enlightenment to understand. I, I came... I was going to say I came across that. That's daft. Um, no, the Holy Spirit graced me to see that decades ago, and, and I I began at that time to ask for that grace that I might see all that Jesus did, in the same way that Paul did before he wrote the New Testament. Yeah, it, Holy Spirit's the teacher. And it's sheer grace that he sits with you and he opens the scripture and he applies it to life and he is the strength and empowerment to do it. And and, and it's not a classroom in a college. All of life is classroom. Actually, I prefer the idea of resident coach because he's there at breakfast and he's there as we go to work, office, factory, school, PTA, doing housework, doing cooking. It's all of life. The Holy Spirit is there. And he is continually, continually showing us, revealing to us how salvation works in all of those places. Our relationships. If ever, oh, if ever a society needed the Holy Spirit to teach them relationships, it's this one. teenagers, open your whole being to this Holy Spirit who brings grace so that you might understand how to relate to other human beings before you destroy your life with relationships that should never be. The challenges of life. When you feel that sinking feeling, this is too big for you. The grace of God is part of the coaching. Now you're going to discover how the grace of God is bigger than the challenge and gives you salvation courage, salvation insight, salvation wisdom, and so on. The opportunities. When you're It's a different kind of challenge. There's an excitement, the opportunity to walk where you've never walked. And again, we draw back in fear. Grace walks us in. In days of trouble and darkness, as well as in days of joy, the grace of God instructs us, teaches us. It's a classroom within us, opening our eyes to see that we're free. We are free. Do you get it? Salvation. You've been delivered. The Red Sea is open. Pharaoh stands behind you in darkness and confusion. You're free. Free to walk away from sin that once bound you, but it doesn't anymore. Jesus is alive to walk away from all Satan's authority in life because he's been stripped of that authority in the resurrection to walk away from all that the world holds you back. It doesn't anymore. Walk away. You're free. Do you get it? The gates are open. The chains are gone. And the Holy Spirit coaches you to walk away. Look, it's time to understand this limitless salvation in terms of now, how salvation works in your kitchen, how salvation works on the factory floor, how salvation works in your classroom, at school and in college. Look, it's time. The grace of God has come to you. It is time to get outside the box that your ancestors stuffed you into and begin to live this new creation which boggles the mind. And therefore it says the grace of God instructs us to deny ungodliness. Deny ungodliness, or you could put it another way, The grace of God teaches us, instructs us, coaches us to renounce sin and slavery to anything that holds us in darkness. The grace of God teaches us to say a resounding no to all that is other than the purposes of God in Jesus Christ. Or as other epistles say, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, uh, put off, and then gives the list of all the wretched, unlovely stuff that it, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Put it off. You're standing there in this coat of bitterness and revenge and going to get even and out of your mouth malice and slander and gossip and complaining. He says, no. He doesn't say, "No, you ought not to do that." Oh, good, that's religion. No, the, the the Scripture says it doesn't belong to you anymore. What are you doing there? You you you're you're a person in Love's family, and Love dwells within you. What are you doing, still hanging on to bitterness and and revenge and unforgiveness? So he says, "Put it off." That's grace. Gray says, hey, say no. And you can say no. He empowers you to say no. See, salvation, Jesus dying to free us from sin is just not a jolly good idea. That message comes with the very power of the resurrection in you to walk away. I never forget when I was working on the streets of New York City with drug addicts and and th- this young fellow had so recently—I mean, within days, if not even hours—had come to know Jesus, and the the pusher, the one that he had normally purchased his drugs from, um, recognized this chap's leaving me, and I, and so he he took the drug, and, and I, I was there, and he he put it in a spoon. And he held it out and he said, this one's on me. He said, take it, it's free, this one's on me. And and I saw the beaded sweat on the forehead of the young man so recently come to Christ as he faced what had been his tyrant, the one that held him in chains and is now being offered to him for free to get him back in. And he reported and suddenly he just turned round and walked away. And and he reported to me afterward that there rose within him this he said, hard to say a voice, and yet it, it, it was a voice. He said it was a, a surge of strength within him. And the, the surge of strength voice said, We don't need that anymore. And he realized suddenly the absolute union with Jesus. It wasn't just him saying, I won't do this for Jesus' sake, but it was Jesus in him saying, we don't need this. And he walked away as grace teaching us. I, I suppose this is where so many get afraid of grace. Um... Well, they don't actually get afraid of grace. They get afraid of a caricature of grace uh, from, from many angles. The, the idea that grace means gift and it means, well, we don't have to work at this anymore and it doesn't matter what we do because grace will cover it. It's all okay. And, and you know, I, I I've heard people who are about to do something that is, well just in a sort of gray area of, well, and and they, they give a sort of nervous or guilty smile, and they say, well, we're not under law, we're under grace, aren't we? Meaning, I suppose, I can get away with this. And how many pastors, God bless you guys, I know, I know, if you don't see grace, I know the fear in your heart, I've heard pastors say it. I'm trying to think of what one fellow said, that it's like walking. You, you preach grace with one foot, and then you preach law, and then you preach grace, you preach law. He says, you've got to preach law, or you're, you're going to have the whole congregation go into sin. Oh, you, 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 you've you missed it. God bless you, and I mean that. God bless you, but you've missed it. That's not grace. Actually, there is a big theological word for it. It's called antinomianism. Um, no, 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 no. That's not grace. I don't preach that. I don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach it. Grace does not permit sin. But <laughs> not permit doesn't mean that it rolls out a whole list of rules. It doesn't even give you strength to keep the rules, you see. it's Grace is not law, but... Grace. I tell you this, grace makes sin more serious than it ever was under law. Yes, would you underline that in red, underline in purple, stick it on your refrigerator? Grace. You understand grace? It makes sin a million times more serious than law ever did. What does law say? Law gives you a list of you shall not do this and you shall not do the other. Basically, law is the ten commands that is then further expounded in about 650 other laws. And essentially, they're all negative. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. They have to be negative because the persons they were spoken to were intent upon not doing them and so it, it comes upon as a negative thing but really all of the ten commands is summed up in love when it says thou shalt not what is behind that is thou shalt love but as I say it was it was rules and, and you you had to rise to the rule a great, It says, we, we looked at it last week, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, the real thing, has been realized in Jesus. Jesus didn't do away with the law, he just transcended it into the love of God has come, the love of God has filled you through the Holy Spirit and now the love of God is being worked out in your life by the Spirit and that's all that the law was ever after. Only now you are doing it at a level that is beyond a, a mere list of shalls and shall nots. You see. Now, isn't it interesting when he's talking about this in Ephesians 4 it, think about this. I, I need more time. I've got to talk about it but in the middle of, you know, putting off bitterness and malice and evil speaking and all those other things, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's interesting. Do not grieve the Spirit. It doesn't say that if you don't put these off, God's going to get mad at you. No. It says, don't grieve the Spirit. What's it talking about? It says, We're not under a list of rules anymore. That was just like kids going to kindergarten. Everything that you got there in potential, everything you learned about under law has now happened, has now come, and you are now empowered to live it. You've been brought into relationship. Not rules anymore, it's relationship. And therefore, when I act in a way that's inconsistent with who I now am in Christ, the Holy Spirit is grieved, which is a very different picture to getting mad at. Okay, the the, the law, as I said, it's a shadow. It points, but it's law. When you break law, well, I... Uh, trying to think of the word I suppose you have some sort of remorse you might but so much of law breaking is that you got caught you know if the police pull you over it's the the guy doesn't stand at your window saying you have grieved me <laughs> no he's there because you've broken the law and you're gonna pay for it But now supposing I do something that hurts my wife or my best friend, that's an entirely different matter, entirely. Now I know that love has been hurt. I know that love has done something that is inconsistent with love. And there is no, not remotely a connection between the policeman at my window or standing before a judge and knowing that I've hurt the one I love, asking for forgiveness because it's not the way I want it. Do you see the difference? Law... Though it spoke actually of love, it was a mere puddle. Grace is our introduction to the ocean that the puddle pointed to. Okay, Romans 6, they'd gone here. And they were were saying it, weren't they? they? They listened to Paul... And they said, well, if I've heard him right, then we can continue in sin, can't we? So that grace will be so marvelous that he keeps on forgiving us. Shall we continue in sin so that grace might abound? Do you remember that? Paul said people are saying that. It's interesting, he won't even answer that. He said, essentially, don't be daft. He said, God forbid, what what do you think you're talking about? No, he said. What has grace shown you, Romans 6? Grace has shown us that we have been made one with Jesus, that in his death, where sin is over, Satan is stripped of authority, and we rise from death in Jesus to a new creation, he says, you're one with him. He joined your history, your condition, so that you might become part of his history and enter into his status. That's grace. And he says, if indeed you're risen with Christ, if indeed you're ascended with Christ, and sit now inside the love of the Father, what do you mean? Shall we continue in sin? There's no desire for sin left in us. I said that the other day, and people got upset about it. Look here. D- do you ever get up in the morning and say, Today I am going to talk maliciously at least to two people. Today I'm going to complain and blame God for everything going wrong. Today I'm going to wallow in bitterness and be the victor. No. If you do, uh, I don't think you've met the Jesus of the New Testament. No. No. There is within us a surge, the grace of God, to love. A surge to trust the ever-loving Father. Within us there is huh, the desire to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And if we sin, we immediately feel that check within us and know we've acted inconsistently for the new covenant that which jeremiah promised back in chapter 31 do you remember what five six hundred years before jesus came jeremiah said there would be a new covenant and he said in that day i'll write my law upon your hearts that's grace that's grace instructing us it's written upon our hearts Why? Because the love of God shed abroad in our hearts is everything the law ever wanted. And that's where we'll walk because grace comes with power to do it. Or Ezekiel chapter 36, around the same time as Jeremiah, he said it in his own unique way. He said, I'll wash you, I'll bathe you, I'll scrub you clean on the inside. And I will put my Holy Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. Any other kind of grace is not grace. Grace teaches you. Grace instructs you. Grace throws its light upon your life and shows you a new life, a new possible a new power. That's what it is. So grace enlightens us that salvation has come. Grace empowers us to live that salvation out and to literally abide, live out my life in Christ. In fact, could I put this? Grace permits you, you get, you're get. given permission By the grace of God to be free. And I know that sounds rather strange, but I've met many, many people that seem to be waiting for God to give them permission to live a life in the love of God that is not defined by failure and sin and screwing life up. Well, you've got that permission. I'm giving it to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Grace permits us to be as free as the Word of God, New Testament, as well as prophecies of old, says that's what Jesus came to do. You have permission never to return to the world of darkness. You got it? You have permission never again to go back to the world of unlove. You got it? It's given to you. Grace has come and showed you salvation. Salvation's here. Salvation's here. And so, let me stop again. I'm talking to you. If if this isn't true, then nor is any other promise in the Scripture, you see. Can't pick and choose. This is not a smorgasbord. Um... This is who you are. Actually, this is who you have been. But I'm talking about you now. This isn't something you will become after you've got all your ducks in a row and some religious leader says now you're okay because that day will never come. As you listen to me right now, the grace of God has come to you. The grace of God, if never before, has come to you in my words as I speak to you tonight. The grace of God has come. And that grace in its blazing light has shown you salvation is here and salvation is now. And salvation is for you. And it teaches us. It instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire. That's it. Or to put it in another way, it instructs us that we don't have to go that way anymore. We're free. And instead, to live sensibly or soberly and righteously and godly right now not in some never-never world beyond, now, in this present evil age. Right now, in the middle of the darkness, we live in the blazing light that the grace of God has brought. And we live sensibly, soberly. We live righteously and godly right now in the middle of this present evil age. I think I'm going to leave that till next week because it's too good to drop and I don't have time now. So we're going to keep going with this next week and see what sensibly or soberly means, what righteously means and what godly means because that's what the grace of God is building into us. But until then just let this that we've said tonight seep into you i, I feel it so strongly and that's why I've, I've i've said what i have throughout tonight i i, I see you as i'm talking you right now e- even the words that i've said tonight that have enlightened you has got nothing to do with my ability to speak That's because my words were part of the grace of God coming to you and bathing your inner being in radiance of light that increases every hour, every day. That grace shows you this limitless salvation that is here. In your present moment, in your present challenge, right now, in your present temptations, in your present opportunities, salvation, the grace of God applying that salvation with power is now. You are now enlightened. You're now empowered to be and do what you're enlightened to see. And in it all... You are given permission in the name of Jesus to be that person filled with the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit is your personal instructor, your resident coach, your resident teacher guide who lives inside you and addresses you in the deepest part of your spirit, in your deep mind makes himself at home in your emotions. and So what do you respond? Well, you see, you can't earn this. And I know for a person raised in legalism or religion, that is so awkward. I'm not saying, now, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've got to do something. I'm saying, sit back, let this dawn on you, open your mouth and mind and say, dear Lord, I give you thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, that was the, the gift. He, the father waits to see the look of joy on your face. The same as you when your little child opened the gift. The whole thing delighted you because you saw the look on their face as they received the gift. You, you you don't beat yourself and say I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. Forget that. Well, of course you didn't earn it. That's the meaning of the gift. You see. And, and so I I give him thanks. And and then I I trust in the power that is within the gift that he's giving. And I say along with the Virgin Mary, be it unto me according to your word. I mean the gift blows my mind, but. I receive it from you, be it unto me according to your word and and step out into your world, your world tonight, your world tomorrow to dare to be who you truly are in Christ. Live it out, live it out. Bold action in life to be who you are. Well, there it is. I can hardly wait for next week because actually, and that's why I'm reserving it, that, that verse there, what grace teaches us, is so exciting. But I've got to bite my tongue because if I started, we would go our overtime. So, now, the blessing of God, who is almighty love and the giver of endless grace the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit bless you, grace you, open your eyes that you may walk in this incoming week in the full blazing light of his salvation. So I bless you. So I declare you graced, gifted, and favored. God's special ones. That is the way it is. Amen.